Well, we are back. The Super Bowl is set, and this podcast is rolling. I'm Yogi Roth, joined by Ted Robinson. It's Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure. You're listening wherever you enjoy your podcast, whether that's Ted's YouTube channel or Spotify, Apple. We, we got you covered everywhere. Ted, how are you doing today, man? Well, it's uh, it's kind of crazy, Yogi, because it's the end of January. Uh, yes, you said, you know, our Pac-12 representative, Aaron Rodgers, didn't make it after knocking out another Pac-12 quarterback and Jared Goff the week before. Uh, and, and, you know, it's funny because you have in this strange year where we still don't even know what spring football is going to look like, but there's actually, for for the guys that have decided to go pro out of the pack, the senior bowl is being played this week. And that has snuck up on no one understands. There's actually going to be, and they're going to play a game. They do the week of practice in Mobile, and then they're going to play a game on Saturday. And it winds up being big because it's the only all-star, so to speak, game for the the prospective pro players this year. Yeah, I'm with you. It kind of snuck up on me. You, know, you, you told me about it prior to this podcast. I was like, wow, like my timing is still jacked up just from where college football was yeah. um, and, and all the all the things that, that go along with that. Uh, so we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about the new coaching changes in the Pac-12. We'll get a little bit in the portal. I mean, that's kind of rinse and repeat every episode, I feel like, Ted, as this continues. But let's start with the big news, right? Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-12, um, he will no longer be the commissioner um, after, I believe it is June of this summer. Uh, he will uh, move on to his next stage in life. A new commissioner will get named at some point. You've been around this conference, um, you know, and for, for you, you've mastered around this conference. I don't want to say you've been around for a long time, but but, but you have. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? You've seen, you've seen multiple commissioners. You've seen college football. Uh, you've seen college athletics in a way that nobody else really has on the West Coast. Well, I mean, look, everybody has, and, and most of them have been voiced and voiced repeatedly. Everybody has their views and will continue to put their report cards out on on, on Larry Scott's tenure. And I'm not going to chime in on that. Look, full disclosure, Larry hired me. So, so that, you know, again, that's out there. So everybody can judge my comments accordingly. Um, I thought that uh, I would just say two things. Otherwise we can ramble forever. One is, again, I continue to emphasize Larry Scott did what he was hired to do. <laughs> he was hired to monetize Pac-12 athletics. It had been under-monetized in the view of most people for a long time, and he did so. Now, there's all kinds of fallout of that, and that's what's being written and, and spoken about. I'm not going to waste breath going there. Um, second point to this is, and Larry did an interview with Pac-12 Network with our colleague Ashley Adamson the other day, and I, I said this at the end. I thought it was great because he spent probably the last minute and a half of a four-minute interview talking about many things that are very important to the schools but don't get headlines. And most of them revolve around the players and help, helping the college athletes' life be better. Safety, whether it's approaching name, image, likeness, you know, the mental health stresses and strains, all of these things. And there are a lot of, um, um, bluntly, there's a lot of arrogant takes out there you know, about the Olympic sports success at places where they don't care about the Olympic sports. The root schools of this conference care a lot about the Olympic sports, and they're extraordinarily proud of the number of champions they produce and Olympic medalists they produce. And that has done nothing but rise during Larry's reign. And last point I'll say, uh, Yogi, I know football, men's basketball drive this. We all get it. Talk to everybody in women's basketball in this conference. Ask them where they think women's basketball stands right now after the, after the last decade. 
<laughs> and I think that one gets overlooked a lot, again, in places where they don't care about women's basketball as much. Yeah, those, those are all good points. Um, and I'm with you uh, regarding, you know, everybody's put their own report card out on the commissioner. Uh, I got two thoughts as well. One is the personal side. Uh, I can remember meeting him at USC uh, right when he got the job. And I was trying, I heard about the whispers of the Pac-12 networks. You know, I was just hustling at the time. I was working for free at ESPN, doing whatever I could, basically for free at Fox, like just hustling. And he took a meeting with me. And I'll never forget that because when, and you know this because you've done it, when you can, first podcast I ever did with you, you told the story about when you were young and got your first chance and you called the office of a GM and all of a sudden you got a chance to have a conversation that led to a career. Same thing to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And fast forward, not only did he have that meeting with me and give me an opportunity at the Pac-12 Networks for my broadcasting career, but he always stayed in touch with me as a human. And I put that out on social media and, I, and some people received it well. Some people lit me up um, regardless at every stage of my life, engaged, married, baby, mom died. Uh, and of course, college football, we've been in lockstep just regarding insight and thoughts around it. That's what I'm going to remember. I'm going to remember that guy uh, who always gave me a chance and always stayed connected and, and trusted my voice and vice versa. Uh, so I think to me that when it's all said and done, uh, he did all the things that you referenced and he did some things that a lot of other people are referencing, but that is the biggest takeaway I have from his tenure uh, from a personal standpoint. And then number two, as you move it forward, it is such a, to me, it, it, is, it is an amazing time in college sports, specifically the Pac-12. Like he had an amazing uh, point of entry in terms of monetize the conference. He did it exactly as you referenced. Now we have name, image, and likeness. We've got this transfer portal, which is basically free agency. We got players' voices elevating. We have social justice and finally real change. At least it feels like it's happening in this country. What a time to be in the center of the hearts and minds and athletic ability student athletes. I mean, honestly, man, like whoever comes in and gets this job, this is going to be awesome. And I know you and I will be in the middle of it. And and a part of it is for as long as they'll have us. But I can't wait because I think this time to be 18 to 22 on a college campus on the West Coast, find a more progressive place in the country if you're athletically minded. Honestly, at that age, find a better place in the country. Well, Yogi, that's a fascinating point because I I think you're 100% right. And that's what maybe, maybe where I was heading with that comment about the things that Larry discussed in his exit interview with Ashley that very few people outside of the schools ever, it gets no headlines, you know, bloggers, writers, opiners don't care about this stuff. But right now, if you want to say which of the big, big boys in college sports has shown the most and, and to, to quote Larry Scott, not just talking, but walking the walk when it comes to its athletes, it's the pack. Right. And that's the where it's going right now. I, I, I'm going to blend into the pro world for just a second. I've, I've had this conversation with a couple of people. I had this with our colleague JB Long last week. I said, my gosh, look at what the NFL has done. They've hired head coaches now, including one head coach in Los Angeles who's been in the NFL for about 23 minutes, but because he's a communicator. Right. I've had, we've seen two head coaches get hired in the NFL for the, with their first jobs because they're communicators. Maybe that's where we're heading, right? And in the pros, there's a monetary investment in your players. In college, it's not that to anywhere near that level. It's a different kind of investment, but that's still, that's what it is when you're playing at this level, right? It's an investment. 
And I think that's 100% right. And I would assume that whoever takes this job furthers this conference, which has had a pretty good, you know, even though Kevin Sumlin is out uh, at Arizona, there's still four head coaches of color out of 12 in this conference. Four, right? One third, fully one third. In, in, a, in a, you know, another time, hopefully it's more. But that's still right now, In if you're going to put a report card out there, that's impressive. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. All right, so let, let's kind of keep it moving regarding the NFL. You referenced the Senior Bowl off the top. It snuck up on everybody. Have you ever been to the Senior Bowl? Um, you were in the NFL for about a decade or so. Like, what, what are your thoughts, even when you've talked to coaches, about the impact that the Senior Bowl can have? Well, it's it's more this year because there will be no NFL combine in Indianapolis. And then usually that, for traditionally, there were two big games, which was the East-West Shrine Game that was here in San Francisco forever and eventually moved the Senior Bowl of Mobile. Then the NFL PA started a game, gosh, probably, uh, I don't know, 10 years or so ago in Carson, at the stadium in Carson. Uh, and that was for players basically that didn't get an invite to the Senior Bowl. <laughs> Now, the Senior Bowl is the cream of the crop. Uh, not not everybody chooses to go. In fact, I don't think Sam. I went to you with, with you to Sam Darnold's pro day. I don't think Sam Darnold went to the Senior Bowl, did he? No, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, generally that kind of player may not go because they don't feel like they need to. But many players do. Devontae Smith is at the Senior Bowl this week. <laughs> Mac Jones, the Alabama quarterback, is at the Senior Bowl. Okay, so uh, it's more important this year because there's no Indianapolis Combine. Who knows what pro days on campuses are going to be like with all the COVID restrictions. So this is the place this week where teams get a chance to actually face-to-face in some form without doing it this way, Zoom way, uh, face-to-face with players, scouts, NFL coaches are on hand coaching this thing. There are 10, uh, my count, according to what I looked up, there's 10 players from the pack that are there. Uh, Frank Darby, ASU, Dimitri Felton, and Odigizua, both from UCLA, uh, Tuya Pelotu from USC, Cam Bynum from Cal. I mean, those are some Hamaka Rashard from uh, Rashid from Oregon State. So some pretty big, big names are there. And I just think this is, you know, again, in a goofy year where Yogi, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there was risk this year and risk both ways. If you decide to leave college to go to the pros, the evaluation process is different, is totally different. So you're running more of a risk. Of course, coming back to school carries the risk of we don't know what the heck college football 2021 is going to be like, right? We don't know when when, and if there's going to be spring ball. We don't know. So I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying there's risk both ways. I'm outlining the risk, I think, for these players that decided I'm up, I'm going pro. Yeah, I think that's why even in college, I talked to a coach late last night who their team is going to start spring ball in March, and, and it was they in think. Arizona. They think. Yeah, they think. But, but in, in their world, they had pretty much the entire receiving core in the portal. Right. So if you comp that to like, hey, I'm going to go to the league and then they all looked at the portal like some may look at the NFL and they were like, nah, I'm coming back. Everybody but one of those receivers came back to the University of Arizona mm-hmm. in the NFL. I think a lot of players looked at the NFL as an opportunity. And in this conference, as I'm preparing for signing day, I'm really surprised by the amount of players that have come back. And I think it's to the point that you referenced. And if you look back to last year, it was our first draft in the virtual world. Jacob Eason never went to a team's facility, right? Like it all got shut down, right? I think Justin Herbert's pro day was the last one. I remember talking to Mark Sanchez. He was there. 
And like end of the pro day, that was the end of the world, right? In terms of sports, at least nobody got to have it. So you don't get to go to facilities and meet people. So to the point of the senior bowl, this is it. I mean, this may be it. Like you may have your pro day, but you may not be able to be in contact with anybody face-to-face. You may have to zoom them from opposite rooms in the same facility. Uh, UCLA's campus, if you're Dimitri Felton or Osa Odigizua or Marlon Tuipolotu at SC. So I think you're right. Um, and I think that this year, of course, film being, uh, will get elevated. Like, I don't, I don't know if how much like personality intangibles are going to be able to be even addressed because coaches aren't going to be able to meet with people in person to your point. And also things like the senior bowl, man, I like that is there's going to be so much weight on it because it's about the game. You're going to be able to meet with guys and see with them. And, and I can't wait to talk to NFL people after the senior bowl to hear what they said about even, you know, the, I don't want to say the effort is different, but I bet the vibe is different than it's ever been in years past, knowing this might be your only opportunity to shine. And I, and I'm going to probably tread on some dangerous waters here, but let's be blunt. The game's in Mobile, Alabama. So I'm checking the international travel restrictions here to see what those, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing that a fair number of the NFL execs can go and have some semblance of contact, whereas pro days in California, kind of contact you think that how many people are going to be allowed you know what i'm saying i remember going with you again to sam darnold's pro day and all the gms were there and there were just people you know not all gms but of the teams choosing near the top that thought they may have had a shot at darnold you had five six people from those teams there right yeah and and that that isn't good i can't fathom that's going to happen this year in pro day not in california I ain't gonna That's have. a good point. You know, what has been interesting to me uh, kind of prepping for signing day and looking at rosters again um, is that the, I, I think it's been kind of split like fringe draftable players. Some have left and some haven't. Right. I look at Davis Mills. This guy, I think he only played in 11 games in his career. Mm-hmm. Right. He obviously has decided to opt out, but like Brant Keithy decided to come back top tight end in this conference. You could argue, or even Kate Otten, if you want to argue top tight ends in this conference, you know, if they played 10 games, 12 games, they're probably gone, right? Devin Lloyd, Nick Ford. I'm just looking at Utah in terms of guys returning. Look at Oregon. It was just announced uh, earlier in the last couple of days. Anthony Brown, CJ Verdell, Johnny Johnson. I mean, these are guys where if they play full seasons, they may not go. So they, they were fringe guys, but chose to return. I, I just think it's really interesting because uh, it wasn't like everybody was in the same bucket. It's not like everybody was like, yep, come back. You only have four or five, six games. Some were like, no, I'm out. See ya. See me for Hoku, right? There's a couple of guys at Stanford in that regard. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that in terms of the guys deciding? Yeah, I, I, it's, I'm torn, Yogan. And look, you played. Um, so I'm torn because I guess in football, you know, there is no, I mean, well, there are a few now guaranteed contracts in pro football, but not nearly like they are in other sports. And your lifespan is shorter. Um, I've always thought this, for example, a running back to me, a running back only has so many carries in them. And I have no qualms with a running back deciding I'm going to get paid for my carries. I I don't. Uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor, I just watched Jonathan Taylor, who was a brilliant back at Wisconsin. And, you know, Wisconsin plays a little bit of a retro style of football. So Jonathan Taylor had a ton of carries in Wisconsin and he stayed his last year. He didn't go pro. He stayed and had another 300 or whatever carries. And he went and just blasted this year for Indianapolis Colts had a great rookie season. Um, That's the one that catches my eye. So 
it's it's the players like you said it's it's the tight ends the players who would who would be if if you if you were going to play the odds game would have the odds of having a longer career in the NFL yeah. to come back and play that full year and I'm a, you know I I'm a big believer in the quarterback thing I I'm, you know Parcells was the guy that in the NFL popularized the 25 to 30 starts for a college quarterback and we talked about this last year with Eason I keep pointing out Trubisky's the one guy that in recent years that sort of violated that. I'm not sure yet how it's worked out for him. Monetarily, it worked out for him, admittedly. Football-wise, I think that's still, that's an unanswered, it's an ungraded test yet. Um, but I, I I wish, because I'm sitting here to you and I keep saying, I haven't heard yet that there's going to be a baseball season in the Pac-12. There's been no announcement yet. We have a baseball schedule yet. Baseball's supposed to start Games usually start around the 15th of February. So I don't know how anybody's thinking they're going to be spring football yet. I mean, to say it's clearly been, I haven't heard an announcement yet, yay or nay is what I'm saying. If it hasn't yeah. happened for baseball yet, it sure hasn't happened for spring football. So I can understand the 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 uncertainty and and the other um, uh, angle that I've heard a lot in basketball is the, is the testing fatigue. That, totally. that I'm hearing a lot during our basketball season now, Yogi, about the fatigue that the players are feeling having to get up every morning and go through the testing and do what they have to do outside of their regular practice and whatever classes are going on regimen to be able to go through this. And I've, I've heard a lot about that so far. Yeah, I think there's a big part of that. I mean, you look at some players that have opted out for the draft, the ones I've talked to that kind of are head scratchers, they're like, look, I've been in college for five years. I'm just kind of done. And the year wasn't necessarily the most enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's others that are like, I'm coming back. Like I talked to our boy, Ethan Fernia earlier today and we had a long talk. He's coming back for his sixth year. Good. I mean, he's coming back and he's fired up. We talked about like, are you wringing out the towel of your college experience? Yeah. You know, and are you talking- not going to be a pro player? So, I mean, this is, this is, he's going to squeeze every drop of his football career. Good for him. Exactly. And then, and then on the flip, I look at like, Arizona State, right? Jack Jones, Chase Lucas, Evan Fields, um, I believe Merlin Robertson. These guys are all coming back. I mean, they're all coming back. And I just think the value that they're going to gain. Look, look at UCLA. Quentin Lake, he's going to get his master's degree. I wrote his letter of recommendation, right, to, to grad school. Nice. You know, Quantrez Knight, the transfer from Kent State, was a grad transfer. I think Britton Brown. Britton Brown, I yeah. think. I think the guys that are coming back that, and I, and I put all those guys in the same category, like they'll all put, be in an NFL training camp. They'll all probably last one to two, maybe more seasons, whether it's practice squad or maybe make a roster, but they're going to come back. And I think give themselves a better opportunity to find success and take advantage of the college, the college exposure for, for lack of a more eloquent term that this next year will give them. I mean, Chase Lucas, he's going to be a five-year starter. Five-year starter at corner. All right, we're gonna we're gonna definitely stay on the thirty-minute uh, yeah. thing this week. So before before we leave the subject, I want you to tell the story that you told me offline on this because it goes to this very point about a kid who's not a Pac-12 player, but it goes right to the story. He was a first-round draft pick that so far has flamed out in the NFL. Quarterback from a pretty good school, Deshaun Kaiser. Yeah. You bumped into him. Tell, tell, tell that story. Cause I think it goes right to the point you're just making. 
Yeah, no, Deshaun, I, I, I got to meet Deshaun, for those who don't know, at the Elite 11, the high school prestigious quarterback camp, and huge fan of him, three-sport athlete in high school. He's all-state in three sports, just to show the type of athlete he was. Goes to Notre Dame, uh, I'd say had success in college, and decides to opt out and leave early. Lasts for one year, and then doesn't, uh, maybe two, right? He goes to the Browns, and then... Uh, Played one like year with the Browns, but then he was on, I think he was... Green Bay, maybe? For a year. He's He bounced on some as a backup for a year or two. Anyway, we, I'm at LAX uh, late in the season, and I look up in, in my mask and his mask, and our eyes meet, and I'm like, Sean? It's like, Yogi. So we sit down for 45 minutes. Our flight's delayed, and we're talking. And he talks about how... Um, you know, he's trying to get back and play. He's staying in great shape, but there aren't a ton of opportunities because of COVID uh, and obvious reasons regarding that, but how he took advantage of his Notre Dame degree, how he took advantage of all the people he networked with, starting his own small business now with the network that he built in South Bend, everything is still cool there. So it's not as though he just wanted to go play ball and get out. And, and I think the more and more of those scenarios that we've seen, Sam Ellinger is another one we've talked about on this podcast, yeah. created a business backed by UT alums while at Texas, couldn't take a penny from it based on the rules when he was a student athlete. Now he's walking out of there with a profitable business. I think those are the stories that, are, that we need to keep telling and also athletes need to, keep, to continue to hear. So when guys come back for their fifth year, like Chase Lucas, can you ring out everything that Arizona State provides athletically, of course, but academically, connection-wise, et cetera, uh, and, and give yourself the greatest opportunity for success for when you go to the league or, or when your career ends. And Deshaun just, to me, it's great because he's painted as like a probably a pseudo bust in the NFL. And the dude, to me, is the furthest thing from a bust. Yeah. You know? And and he's still very, I mean, he's 24, maybe 25. So more than enough runway ahead, yep. you know, to get back and hopefully 2021 fall we're all we're all hoping there's normalcy by then so that yeah you know both college and pro teams are going to be able to he'll be able to go get in somebody's camp for the summer and get a look but i thought that was great because that's precisely what you're talking about for the for the young guys that decide to come back and continue their college football in theory they're continuing uh we have two basketball players in our conference at oregon state right now one very well-known ethan thompson they're back playing this year they've already at their undergrad degrees from Oregon state, they're getting masters. So they're continuing awesome. to play for their eligibility, uh, but they're getting master's degrees. That's, that's, we all hold, obviously we all, hold, even a fossil like me holds that up still as the ideal. And when you get a kid like that or players like that, that use the other side of college, right. As you did. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I know we're, we're trying to keep these under 30, but coaching changes in the pack. Uh, none of this has been announced by the schools, but we all believe that it's accurate. Uh, Oregon hires Tim DeRuiter as its defensive coordinator. Cal, basically a trade. They get Keith Haywood uh, to have some role on their defensive staff. W what are your thoughts on that? I'll give mine as two coaches widely respected in the game, basically trade trade schools. Yeah, I mean, I I was caught when I heard the first the first leg, which was Oregon hiring Tim DeRuiter, it's the second time Oregon has gone to another school in the conference, right, to hire a D.C. They did it a few years back with Jim Levitt from Colorado. There's always the monetary situation, which I know I don't know the DeRuiter case, but I know it was the Levitt case was his salary increase for a lateral move. His salary increase was immense. Um, you know, look, Tim DeRuiter has got a great defensive reputation. He was the head coach people forget this. He was the head coach 
for Derek Carr throwing to Devontae Adams <laughs> at Fresno State. Uh, and then uh, he lost that job, came back to Cal. I'm, I'm wondering, Yog, because the dynamic there is always different when a defensive guy like Justin Wilcox is the head coach. Now you hire the DC. What's that dynamic? I, you know, we were around it. You may have a little more insight on that. Um, whereas he's going to go work at Oregon now for a guy who's a line, co- a line guy in Mario Cristobal, right? Um, does that put a little different spin on how Tim DeRuiter is the DC? Yeah, well, I think, um, look, when Cal hired Justin Wilcox, it was obvious they were terrible on defense prior to him getting there. And it was Justin's defense and ideology, but the reason he hired Tim DeRuiter was because they were on the same page in that regard in terms of the style of defense, the front, all all the the football nerd stuff uh, we can get into. But that's why he hired him. And Justin was smart when he hired If Revisionist history, look back, his OC was Bo Baldwin, was a head coach at Eastern Washington. His yeah. DC was Tim, Tim DeRuiter, head coach, as you referenced, at Fresno State. So he knew where he was, where he lacked experience, which was being a head coach. So he surrounded himself with two guys that could alleviate that as he transitioned into a new role. And I think now you saw this past season, Peter Sermon kind of became the play caller on the defensive side at Cal. So Tim DeRuiter, uh, I'm sure he missed calling plays you know, on the defensive side. When we were there, we talked to him. It was extremely healthy. You know, he loved working for Coach Wilcox. Their relationship's awesome. Uh, and now he's going to Oregon to run, to run the show. Yeah. And I bet he's jacked because this is a team that is loaded with young talent mm-hmm. on defense specifically. I mean, they've got, I opinion, in my opinion, a guy who will win Defensive Player of the Year, the Pat Tillman Defensive Player of the Year, will be Noah Sewell over the course of the next two years. I think he's that talented. Kayvon Thibodeau, I think he's the face of this conference. Justin Flo was the number one recruit in the country a year ago, had an injury, didn't get to play this past season due to that injury. He's got a run or a safety in Verone McKinley, who is a true vet in the back end. He's got a corner in Michael Wright, who's got a chance to be an elite draft pick um, if he has the season projected at corner. So I think he's got to be jacked about going there for that spot. All right, so let's flip it. Now, Keith Hayward, who I remember well as a player, I don't, don't know as much about him as a coach, but of course he and Justin can share. They both played for the Ducks. Yeah. Um, what What's that spin like from the Cal side? Well, Keith's been all over the pack, right? Whether it was, began his coaching career at Oregon State, he was with Sark at Washington, and then he came down to USC. And then obviously he's been in Oregon for a while. Um, he's had a chance to go to a bunch of different places. I, I've been tight with him for a long time. He wants to be a defensive coordinator. You know, and the the tr- the reality is, is he didn't get hired as the DC when Andy Avalos got the job, and he didn't uh, get hired this time to be the defense coordinator. At least, you know, we didn't anticipate that because that would have been done. You'd imagine that would have been a quick move. So for him, he probably saw. All right, he was already, I think, named passing game coordinator. Like he had all the titles he could do. So for him uh, to go to Cal work for Justin, have the opportunity to possibly be the defensive coordinator. I, I don't know any of those elements, but that's the way coaching works. Right. And if you're at a place and you see that you're not, maybe you're the not job, going you're, in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I do know that, uh, you know, he and Mari have a great relationship. So there wasn't anything like I hated my time. I had to get out of here. We've seen that before with coaches and he even saw what Keith put out on social media regarding how, how thankful he was for him and his family for the time there. And he really was, you know, I, I've connected with him, uh, many times over the course of his career, he is as um, he's as grounded of a coach as you're going to come across, and he's an elite DB coach. So he's going to come to Cal and help out this defense in a bunch of ways. I think it's just for us as broadcasters, it's great 
Because when we call the game, we're going to show that shot of them on the respective opposite sidelines and then where they are in reality. And this rivalry, this game has turned into a fun little rivalry in Oregon and Cal or Justin where he played, of course, having beaten Oregon this past year. Like, I, I like it for the drama of Pac-12 football. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two USC moves that caught eyes. Chris Claiborne, you know, yes. another terrific former Trojan player, goes to Arizona State as position coach. And then you talk about doubling down on the air raid after making a change at the off- as the offensive line coach, Clay Helton hires an air raid guy to be the O-line coach. Yeah, Clay McGuire, um, who people may know that name from Wazoo. Um, and he was at Texas State um, with former Cal offensive coordinator, um, Jake uh, Spavadol the last couple of seasons. And now he's at SC. And I think what it's showing is that like Clay Helton is all in on their raid. You know, Tim Drevno is a widely respected offensive line coach. And he's a, at least in my understanding of his career, he's a West coast run game, right? He's zone run game. And you're not doing that. I've sat in meetings at USC and they've said it many times on air. Like they don't have 30 run concepts. You know, they have, they have about as many as you can count on one hand. So you've got to buy into that. And I'm not saying Coach Trevno did or didn't. I don't know that answer. But clearly Clay McGuire is. This is what he's been schooled in, trained in. So here we go. All the anticipation in the world for the Trojans, their offensive line, we've covered it on this podcast uh, many times, has not been what they should be in our eyes in terms of moving the line of scrimmage this past season. And I'm a, I'm, I was curious on the hire because Clay Helton said that they were assessing that. And when I read it, I, I read like they're going to get back to an assemblance of the run game that SC fans have grown accustomed to, to a certain degree, tailback you as, as you know, Trojan fans love to call it. I don't see that necessarily, right? They're going to, they're going to go to pure air raid. So the staff is fully on the same page, which I think is probably a positive at the end, whether you like the air raid or not, everybody's at least on the same page. They're schooled in the same system across the board on offense. Some they, they've all worked in the system at some point. So yeah, they, they roll the, they roll the dice with Clay McGuire as the online coach. Cause I saw you, I mean, the portal and we'll finish up on the portal because the portal is just the thing. USC's well, I think four players in now off the portal, but they just got a running back. From Texas. Do you know about Keontae Ingram? Yeah, so I just finished reading about him prior to this podcast. Um, Knew about him as a recruit, went to Texas, obviously a prolific high school player, uh, got a lot of ability, came from Texas, the state of Texas. And if you look at them, that's the second player they got from Texas this year. They got a safety, Xavier Alford. Mm -hmm. They went to Alabama to get a defensive tackle. And oh, by the way, they took in Katie Nixon from Colorado, which when I saw Katie entered the portal in Colorado, has had a high number of players who've played, who played last year, enter the portal. A couple DBs have entered the portal. One of their running backs have entered the portal. Um, Came to a surprise for me because they all played for the most part. Obviously, Jaron Mangum became the dude, or excuse me, did not become the dude at running back. Um, Jarek Broussard did. So you're not necessarily always surprised at at that. But Katie Nixon one shocked me because he'd been a player. He's built his brand there. He's so connected. They love him there. He's really connected to the athletic director. So Rick George, so uh, happy for him. He's in LA. I, I sent him a message the other night, like, "Hey man, we, you know, we're right down the road. Whatever you need, we got you." Uh, and I know he's excited to be at SC, and he'll fit into this offense, into the air raid. He'll, he'll be, he'll walk right in and, and play the slot. As clearly they've lost, you know, top two, three receivers from this past season. Yeah, but it's a pretty good place if you want to continue building your brand as a wide receiver, right? Yes, for all no the. Place. 
for all the things get that talk, get talked about that USC hasn't been able to do in recent years. Wide receivers, they've been able to do. <laughs> yes. Yes, they have. Um, okay, cool. Uh, there's been a lot of action in the portal. I don't think it's going to slow down anytime soon. I think there'll be a couple big moves. Uh, another thing to anticipate is fans. I know a lot of fans are like, is our school going to get a quarterback? Right. Arizona was one of those schools. Right. Obviously, uh, Ryan Holinsky was considering them, ended up going to Northwestern. I, my advice to fans, take a breath because the portal thing, th- there is no calendar. So all these quarterbacks, we hope, as Ted referenced earlier, we hope they go through spring ball. And if they do, they're all not going to stay on the roster. Right? <laughs> I, got, I go to Oregon is just my assumption. Five or six quarterbacks on this roster right now. Right. Well, you know, the guy who finished the bowl game decided he's coming back. The transfer from from uh, Boston College, Anthony Brown. Tyler Shuck is still there. It's a loaded quarterback room. So if you didn't have your guy, coaches are scouring the country. They know depth charts pause until after spring ball. And, and I'd imagine there's still going to be a bunch of movement. Yeah, that'll be one of our conversations coming up in future weeks here is the, when, as you touched on, when do they put a date? Oh. I mean, free agency is okay, but there'll there will have to be a date on it, right? For eligibility reasons. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And and for academic, to your point on eligibility, even even academics, like we I referenced Arizona, so many guys came back. But where are you going to go? Like, would you would you rather in a pandemic when you don't know what teams are doing with their numbers and scholarships because of the awkward year that it is? You want to go to a JC and not even practice, or do you want to go to an environment that is going to be an extremely safe environment? at least the COVID era. I'm glad guys are going back. You can still enter the portal after spring, but if you're kind of on the fence, I recommend always go back, finish the semester off, get another 15 units or whatever it may be, and then assess what's out there on the open market. All right. There's my pitch. All right, cool. There it is. All right, so Ted, we're going to do something new also with this podcast. Uh, We're going to put it on Facebook as well. I've been doing some homework on the backside and we're going to program this as a Facebook lot. So let us know where you watch it. Let us know if you enjoy it on Facebook. If you enjoy it on YouTube, go to Ted's YouTube channel. If you enjoy it, obviously, wherever you listen to your podcast, let us know. We're going to get creative. Uh, as the offseason comes, we'll, you know, we have signing day next week. We'll come up and we'll do a recap of that. And then we'll get going. And, and hopefully we'll bring some guests on, some coaches, ADs, to talk about their teams, NIL, prospective uh, recruiting classes, all the things that all of us love here in Pac-12 football. So I used Ted, to call it, I used to call it a Rolodex. Yogi, what do you call it? What do you have? Because <laughs> that's where we're in. We're diving into what are your, your contacts? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it'd be contacts. I, I still like Rolodex. I'm still a little old school. All right. We'll go to the Rolodex. He's Ted. I'm Yogi. Stay safe. Much love and continue to subscribe, rate, and review Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure. Peace. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube